John chapter 15, verse 13. Amen. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. No greater love than the demonstration of sacrificing your life for your friends. On this subject I'd like to, or this text rather, I'd like to speak on the subject, no greater love. And you may be seated. This past Tuesday morning, March 24th, there was a routine airline flight that turned into a nightmare for dozens and dozens of people. German Wings flight RU9525 was traveling from Barcelona, Spain to Dusseldorf, Germany. The pilot, Captain Sotomayor, stepped away from the cabin for a few minutes. When he walked out of the cabin, the co-pilot, for reasons that continue to become clear as the week of news unfolds, 27-year-old co-pilot Andreas Lubitz shut the door and locked it from the inside. He turned the plane off autopilot, took the controls in his own hands, and began to commandeer the plane. He took the plane on an uncomfortably steep descent. The pilot, Captain Sotomayor, talked on the intercom, tapped on the door, pounded on the door, grabbed an axe, and tried to break into the cockpit of the plane. But from the inside, Lubitz would not respond. He was not unresponsive because he had a physical problem. He had made up his mind to do something horrible, and he would not let the captain back in the cockpit. As a plane descended at an unusually steep descent, passengers screamed. The captain shouted. Inside the cockpit, Lubitz just continued to breathe normally as recorded on the black box. From the cruising altitude of 38,000 feet all the way into the side of the French Alp Mountains, impacting that mountainside at 450 miles an hour, that Airbus 320 took the life of 150 people. As I've read news article after news article about this tragedy, of course we immediately wonder if it was a terrorist act. Obviously it was an act of some kind of terrorism. What would be the possible motive of a person who wanted to commit suicide, taking the lives of 149 other people while you claimed your own. There was a little window into the soul of Lubitz when a former girlfriend named Maria said, once he told me, one day I will do something that will change the system and then all will know my name and remember. What a sick mind that you would do something that everyone would remember you by. That because you wanted to take your life, you justified taking the lives of 149 other people who had trusted you with their lives. 
placed their lives in your hands. This was a demented act of selfishness. Every day, though, in our culture, in your world, people do selfish things. They commit acts of personal terrorism on others, demeaning words, abusive actions, destroying the character of other people. Selfishness is at the heart of all sin. The Bible said that we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Greater selfishness has no man than this, that you would take the, uh, the lives of others for your own selfish pleasure. But I thought of that story of this tragedy this week and contrasted it with the selflessness of Jesus Christ. The overwhelming love of our Lord that Jesus would lay down His innocent life on the cross and exchange His life for ours. The innocent for the guilty. The perfect for the flawed. He could have saved Himself and destroyed others, but He chose to give the ultimate act of sacrifice. On the landscape of life, there are few things more valuable than a friend who would sacrifice for you. A friend is someone who walks in when everyone else walks out. Friends love you even though they know you. But according to the Bible, the ultimate expression of love is when a man or woman lays down his life for a friend. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You see, the ultimate sacrifice is to give up what you cannot get back. And in terms of human devotion and commitment, your life is all you have to give. And when you have given your life, you have given everything you have to give. Lots of people live sacrificially and give sacrificially. The Bible tells us in Romans 12 that we should make our bodies a living sacrifice. But Jesus was much more than that. He was not just a living sacrifice, but He gave Himself as an offering for our sins. And He died as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is impossible to comprehend the depth of the love of Jesus Christ that He demonstrated when He gave His life for us. He befriended us while we were separated from Him by our sins. We were estranged from Him. When the habits of our life were detestable to a holy nature, He still loved us and gave Himself for us. The words of Paul in Romans 5 capture the essence of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth or displayed His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Jesus would say it this way in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Before God became flesh and died for our sins, He loved us with an everlasting love. If you summed up the essence of God, you would say, as the Bible says, God is love. And before Calvary, God loved you. But you couldn't see His love. You couldn't know His love. Because before Calvary, we did not know the depth of the love of God. It is only when He laid down His life for us that we perceived His love. John would write again in 1 John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of God because God laid down, because He laid down His life for us. It was by His sacrifice that I knew how much He loved me. And I stand here today, a week before Easter, five days before the day of the crucifixion on Passover Friday, to say I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that paid the price for my sins. I get it. I understand how much He loved me by the price that He paid. Five days till the day we celebrate as Good Friday. But I'm not really sure who first came up with the phrase Good Friday. Good Friday to commemorate the death of Jesus Christ. Now I know it was good because it thwarted Satan's intention to abort the plan of God. And it was good because God had it in His mind all the way from the beginning of time. Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But while we get excited about Good Friday, we need to understand what that Friday really was. It was a day of torture and scorn and ridicule and rejection. From noon till 3 p.m. on Good Friday, it was Dark Friday as the sun hid itself and darkness covered the land for three hours. At 3 p.m. it was deserted Friday when Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And just before sundown, it was Death Friday when Jesus yielded up the ghost after he shouted with the voice of triumph, It is finished. I can tell you on Good Friday, things did not look very good at all. On Saturday, they looked worse. It was only on Resurrection Sunday morning that we understand why Friday was Good Friday. Because Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Amen. I want to just do a little parenthesis in my message though. Because there's something about the ways of God. That Good Friday in your life may look like Bad Friday. It may look like Dark Friday. 
or defeated or deserted Friday or death Friday. And Saturday, that day between the crucifixion and the resurrection may not look so good. When God is at work in your life, usually there is a death and there is a burial before there is a resurrection. So if things look dark now, but God is at work in your life, you just hang on. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming in your life and the sun will shine again and God will give you victory and there will be a new day dawned in your life. That is the way He works in our lives. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. The sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross is or was the most significant event of human history. We divide time in our culture at the life of Jesus Christ. We say A.D. after the day of our Lord. And we say B.C. in our English language before Christ. The Julian and Gregorian calendars are divided by the entry of God Almighty into this world. Emmanuel, God with us. That's how we divide time. But it was in the cross that divided the old covenant from the new covenant. Jesus said, this is the new testament in my blood. This was the new deal, the new agreement, the new covenant that God would make with us. And in our lives, we call time, we count time by the work of the cross of Jesus Christ in our lives. Before Christ and the day of our Lord. We see our old life contrasted with our new. We see old sins compared to a new walk of righteousness and a life more abundantly. It is time that is marked by the cross. And it is because greater love hath no man than this, than man would lay down his life for his friends. I want you to understand the characteristics of the cross and what it did for you. For in the cross, Jesus Christ became accursed so we could be blessed of God. Before the cross and on the cross, Jesus was despised and rejected so we could be accepted in the beloved. Jesus was wounded before and on the cross so we could be healed. Jesus tasted death for every man so we could savor abundant life and eternal life. For the Bible said that without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. But because Jesus freely gave His blood, we have pardon and forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ. They say one, two, and three strikes, you're out. But Jesus Christ took every strike that was against us. Paul in Colossians called it the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Every accusation, every trespass, every failure, every act of sin, every evil thought, Jesus Christ took every bit of sin that would ever be committed in the history of the world and he nailed it to his cross with every pounding of the spikes in his hands and in his feet. There they go. Every sin potentially forgiven in the cross of Jesus Christ. And when a man or woman kneels at the cross, so to speak, and says, Oh God, 
I am a sinner and I am separated from you. But I come calling for mercy, begging for mercy. Father, would you forgive me of my sins? Forgive me. I turn from my sins to Jesus Christ. And when you repent and when you join him by burial and baptism, your sins are washed away. It is as if you never sinned. You are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That happened on the cross of Jesus Christ. From the world's perspective, the cross was the most foolish act of human history. It was deeper than a man laying down his life for his friends. The Bible says in that time we were separated from God. We were aliens from God. We were afar off. We were without hope in the world. But by the death of Jesus Christ, He not only loved us as friends, He loved us when we were enemies from Him because of our sins. That is the depth of the love of God on the cross of Jesus Christ. To them that perish, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. But to those of us who are saved, Paul would write in 1 Corinthians, it is the power of God. We know what it did for us. It changed us forever. There's a lot of pain in the world today. That pain was paid for. In the cross of Jesus Christ. And there is healing in the blood of Jesus. Those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Have hope and new hope. New freedom from sin. It is by the work of the cross. That we are free from the condemnation of our past. No matter how much you have sinned. No matter how guilty you may be. In the cross of Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our lives. We are delivered from habits that once bound us. That we cannot break free from. But we are delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians that because of the cross... We are delivered from the wrath to come. Last Sunday, I preached about the judgment seat of Christ. And I spoke of death and the judgment that follows. But it is by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are delivered from the wrath to come. And instead of the wrath of God, we have peace with God. It is in the cross that hope displaced the despair that filled our lives, that we cannot find any hope at all. But Jesus Christ came and He gave us hope through the cross of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Peter would call it a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible said that all our lifetime we are subject to fear. And the Bible said that fear has torment. But in the cross of Jesus Christ... Jesus Christ removed the sting of death. He removed the fear of death. He removed the fear of judgment and hell. And the torment that comes with fear, Jesus Christ cast it out in the cross on the shedding of His blood. And those of us who are once separated from God by our sins, we are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, the peace of God. 
has taken away the turmoil that was destroying our lives from sin. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, saved from wrath through Him. And all of that is brought to you by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you on His cross. And on this Sunday, a week before Easter, it is only fitting that we would celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but especially His death by receiving the communion supper, the Lord's Supper today. In our culture, while the cross is being cast away, to us Jesus Christ is precious and our Savior. And we embrace the cross of Jesus Christ when we receive communion and identify with what He did for us there. This is a sacred service. It was instituted by Jesus Christ on the night that He was betrayed. He said that as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of Him. Luke recorded the words of Jesus Christ very specifically in Luke 22, verses 19 and 20. I'd like for you to look at it on the screens. And He took bread and gave thanks and break it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. In other words, every time you receive the bread of communion, you are remembering that the body of Jesus Christ was broken for you. He would write prophetically in Isaiah chapter 50, I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Not a bone of his was broken, but his skin was pierced so the blood could pour out. He gave his body to be broken for you. And then Jesus said, This is my blood which is shed for you. The apostle Peter called it, Precious blood worth more than gold or silver. It was the price of the ransom of Jesus Christ for us. There is no other blood that was untainted, that was pure enough to pay the price for our sins, but the blood of Jesus Christ. And in just a few moments, we're going to receive the communion supper together. The bread and the cup that symbolizes the blood and body, or the broken body, and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And I I like to say it that way because it's important to say the broken body and the shed blood because that's what made it powerful. I'd like to just let you know that we'll receive communion together and that we're going to pray before we receive communion because the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 11.28 that before we receive communion, that we should examine ourselves. And then we should receive that cup. So I want us to pray before we even get into this service right now, this communion service, and I want us to ask God to cleanse us from every sin. I've already established that the cross paid the price, but I'd like for you to ask God right now that you would, if you need to repent, if you need to cleanse yourself from sin, let's pray right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, I want you to lift up your voice and just talk to God right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, O Lord God, that by your blood that was shed on the cross, 
that you would minister here in this house right now. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive from sins right now. I ask you, Lord, by the power of your blood, that you would forgive me, God, of every act, of every thought, of impure motives and attitudes, Lord, that would not be pleasing to you. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would let us examine our hearts today, that we would purify ourselves before you. Now, would you continue to pray? Would you continue to talk to the Lord right now? I'm going to turn on my mic and let you pray, but let's talk to God right now. Go ahead and talk to the Lord a little while. In the name of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you right now, before you take this blood and bread, and it's not literal, on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They knew they were beating him, piercing him. They understood the actions of crucifixion. They were professional executioners. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I didn't say this in the first service this morning and I'm sure it could have applied to people. But I really feel directed of the Lord right now to encourage you that if someone has wounded you or hurt you, that for you to be forgiven by the Lord, you need to release those who have wounded you and offended and hurt you. So while you're asking God to forgive you, would you forgive anyone that you have something against right now? Because before you receive this body and blood of Jesus Christ, you need to make sure that your heart is clean, that there's nobody that you've charged with sin that you've not done your best to forgive. It may not mean that the relationship is repaired because it's up to you to do your part and up to the other person to do theirs. But I feel like we need to pray again right now. I'm, I'm taking a little time, but I feel important right now to pray. Jesus, I ask you right now. For when we stand before you as the judge of all the earth, for us to be forgiven by you, Lord, you taught us in the Lord's prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And right now in the name of Jesus Christ, we release, oh God, from our own wrath and anger those that have wounded us, Jesus. And I pray, oh God, that you would not let your forgiveness be stopped 
by our unforgiveness of others. There's a healing that can take place right now when you forgive your accusers, when you forgive your abusers, when you forgive those that have wronged you. Jesus in your name. Hallelujah. Now would you please look this way. Luke twenty two nineteen, And he took bread and gave thanks. And break it and gave unto them saying. This is my body. Which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Would you take this bread, symbolic of the broken body of Jesus Christ, right now? And would you thank the Lord for His body which was broken for you? Would you just give thanks right now? the broken body of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, if you don't mind, if you would just peel back that next little layer. That... Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, this cup, is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And Paul would say, as often as you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of him. Would you join me now and let's receive this cup representing the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Would you thank the Lord for His blood that was shed for you on the cross? Just lift up your hands now and thank God. I love you, Jesus. Our ushers are going to come. They're going to pass these trays again so that you can discard these empty cups. But I want us to thank the Lord right now. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Amen. Because of the work of the cross, of Jesus Christ's death there, was reflecting this week as I prepared for this message about the songs that were written about the cross of Jesus Christ. Those of us who were older would remember, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its waves which reach the heart of God are sweeping over me. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. But I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners were slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I'll lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross 
and exchange it someday for a crown. I grew up singing at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. I grew up singing, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we would sing, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that washes whiter than snow. And would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil the victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working blood power in the blood of the Lamb. And we sang it because we were thankful for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. But the cross is transgenerational. For younger writers would say, at the cross, the work was finished. You were buried in the ground, but the grave could not contain you, for you wear the victor's crown. That is the cross of Jesus Christ. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. We sing about the cross because it was there that my sins were pardoned and He paid the price. Let's praise God for the cross. For the cross. Oh, the cross made the difference for me. It was by the cross that I am set free from my sins. Go ahead and thank Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead and praise Him and thank Him that the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, greater love, hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Would you be seated just a few moments? It is amazing the magnetism of the cross of Jesus Christ. That we would be so attracted to such a bloody, horrible event. But it is not the gore and the blood, but it is what it purchased for us that makes the difference. Greater love hath no man than this. I am compelled today as I preach to emphasize to you the truth that Jesus died for you. I chose Luke's reading of the communion supper 
Because Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. This is the New Testament of my blood which is shed for you. That is the preaching of the cross. That it is for you. The truth that Jesus died for my sins. While I was still a sinner. While you were separated from God. While you were without hope in the world. No one might have given you a prayer of ever amounting to anything. And maybe nobody you knew would have believed in you and given you a prayer. But God gave you a prayer. And it is by a prayer of repentance that your life is turned toward Him. It is by baptism in Jesus' name that your old life is buried with Him. Don't ever forget this. Don't ever forget this. But know what, no matter what anyone else says about you or to you, that you matter to God. When other people may make you feel unworthy, Jesus loves you. When you act in such a way that makes you socially uh, unacceptable, maybe an outcast, Jesus still loves you. When you've been disowned by your own family, Jesus still loves you. When you have been a miserable failure over and over again, Jesus still loves you. And there is nothing you can do to change God's love for you. Even if you reject Him and you are lost forever, you will go to hell with God loving you. I felt strongly that I would be ministering to somebody today who has been verbally and maybe physically or otherwise abused. You have been knocked down and kicked around. You've been screamed at, cussed out, belittled, put down, cut down, disparaged, badgered, bullied, beat up, tormented, persecuted mistreated, maybe molested, violated, humiliated, abused. But every wound that has come into your life, Jesus took stripes on His back. With His stripes, we are healed. Jesus experienced rejection, humiliation, spitting in His face, shaming Him, cursing Him, beating Him, a slow, violent death. And He's here today to exchange your load of sin for righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Maybe somebody told you you were worthless, that you would never amount to anything. You know, I've always heard that any object is only worth what somebody will pay for it. You may think it's worth a lot, but if nobody's willing to pay you a lot, it's not worth very much at all. But if that's true, that the value of an object is only what someone will give for it, then you must have been worth a whole lot to God. You must be extremely valuable to Him because the price He paid for you on the cross 
the Bible said that you were not redeemed with silver and gold. As if to say silver and gold couldn't buy a lost soul. But the blood of Jesus Christ could. In the Old Testament, when God's people were captives in Egypt, the Lord said, I'm going to deliver you out. I'm sending my death angel through and he will kill every firstborn. But if you take the blood and you will put it on the doorpost and the lintel, the top of your door, when I see that blood, I will pass over you. I won't bring judgment to you. I will bring deliverance to you. So Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid the price for your sins. And all that's left is for you to apply that blood to your life. And when you turn from your sins and repentance, asking God to forgive you. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, you're buried with Him by baptism. When you receive the gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it is that salvation process that applies the blood of Jesus Christ to your life. And when He sees the blood, He will pass over you from judgment. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me right now? This is my body that was given for you. I want you to say it like this today. Would you just personalize it and say it was for me? It was for me. On my worst day, it was for me. This is my blood, which is shed for you. His blood, would you say for me? Now, if you need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in your life today, we're going to all pray together because I have a feeling every one of us can find something we need to ask God forgiveness for. We've already prayed, but right now, would you do it all across this building? Would you lift your voice and would you pray, God? Forgive me, Lord. Thank you, Father, for coming in flesh. Hallelujah. Greater love, oh God. No greater love can be demonstrated, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. That's it. Go ahead, ask Him. If you need healing today, if you need healing today, physical emotional, spiritual healing, if you need healing in your mind, if you're tormented by fear, would you ask God today to come in? Would you heal your mind? Hallelujah. 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 I'm praying right now that by the blood of Jesus Christ and by His broken body, somebody would be healed today. I envision the crown of thorns being pressed into His head and blood would stream down. But if you're tormented in your mind, I'm praying right now that Jesus would heal your mind. 
Would you pray right now in Jesus' name? Oh God, let this be a turning point for someone, Lord. Healing, oh God, in our bodies. Healing in the name of Jesus Christ. 